Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life mindset and human design mentor who is all about helping you heal and rediscover your authentic self so you can go out and do some really epic stuff. So this podcast is going to be all about spirituality, self-empowerment, self-discovery, wellness, healing, parenting, sobriety, mental health, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This is all about helping you along in your own self-project journey. So go ahead and let's sit back and dive right in. I want to welcome to the show today, Kim Minch. And Kim is a parenting certified parent coach who specializes in working with moms and their adolescent kids between the ages of approximately 10 to 25. She's really passionate about educating, supporting, and encouraging parents to raise their kids with intention and guidance rather than fear and control. And Kim, I just have to say thank you so much for giving your time to be on today to share with us um, as a mom to five boys myself and also going through my own journey of conscious parenting recently. And um, so I think that it's really important what you're going to share with us today and, and, you know, just all the things that are going on. So if you didn't mind, Kim, do you mind just kind of sharing more about yourself with us and just sharing a little more of your story? Absolutely, Christy. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and my journey in the hopes that maybe it'll inspire one of your listeners. So as you mentioned, I am a conscious parent coach, and I am the mother of five, four boys and a girl. So my oldest is 33, and then the boys are, um, so they're 33, 27, 22, 17, and 15. So I coach parents of kids who are in middle, who have kids that are in middle school, high school, and they're young adults, mainly because my kids are in that neighborhood of age and because I see so many parents white knuckling it through their kids' adolescence. So I just, it's, it's a little bit harder because some, some, you know, parents like tend to have this very, um, deep idea. They're not, they're not open to change as much. However, if a parent is willing to work on themselves, that that is exactly what I'm looking for. So the way that I got to this journey, I was actually a teen mom. So my oldest son was born when I was 18, and I had a very upper middle class beginning private school and got pregnant as a, as a um, college freshman. And that didn't go over well at home. And so, you know, my dad basically said, if you're going to raise that child, then you need to leave home. So I had to figure out how I was going to do that, navigate the welfare system. Um, You know, one thing led to another. Those early years were difficult being a single parent. Eventually I found and married my husband and we have these four children together. So we've been married almost 29 years. Um, But really the journey with my, with my eldest son um, was a very growing up experience for me, obviously. And the two of us kind of grew up together, quite frankly. And then when he was around 20 years old himself, he called me, he was, our home state is Wisconsin. And um, we were living in Texas for my husband's job, or we still live in Texas. And my son called me one day and said, I don't remember the last three days of my life. And I've been recovering all day from an alcohol binge. This isn't the first time and I need help. So that was my parenting wake-up call. 
I, I felt that we had a very good relationship while he was in high school, very open, very, you know, he would come to me and talk about all sorts of things, except what he wouldn't talk to me about. And that was his struggle with mental health issues that were much deeper than I knew. And his um, self-medicating with alcohol first from our cabinet, and then he would steal it. And, you know, I mean, it just, so that, that call in May of 2008 precipitated a couple of years of major ups and downs, major ups and downs that really caused me not only to want to walk with him to guide him, even though I didn't know what I was doing, but not enable him, but also a, a reflective on myself in terms of how did I contribute not to shame myself or sit there, but like, to acknowledge, like I did contribute to this. So that was an important journey for me. I also really spent a lot of time looking at the way I had been parented and the way I was parenting and the way I believe we need to evolve. And, and, and this is the movement I'm part of. The, the way we need to evolve the way we raise children is one of with our children and not over them. So I went back to college because, you know, years before I left college and I didn't have a direction and my son really gave me a direction and got married and, of course, got busy and with all the other things. But when um, Nick went into treatment, I made a decision to go back to college and get a degree in psychology with the intention of becoming a chemical dependency counselor for teenagers. And what I found along, I graduated, I took the state exam and passed that. I started on 4,000 of internship, internship hours that needed to be done. And about 1,000 hours in, I realized helping teenagers who don't think they have a problem is really not fulfilling me. Talking to their parents did fulfill me because I had been that parent. So um, I, along about that time, I heard about parent coaching. And I thought to myself, I... I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to help parents in crisis, but I want to help parents proactively. I don't want to help parents in a crisis situation necessarily. I want to help them have better relationships now. So I went through the Giant Institute for Parenting certified coaching program and knew, it, knew right away I wanted to niche parents of teenagers. I knew that I wanted to do that. Since then, in the last year, I have really honed in on mothers um, mothers of adolescents, because I truly believe that moms are the emotional barometers in their families. Dads are super important. That is not to minimize that. But when moms are in alignment with their intuition, when they've worked through their limiting beliefs, when they have confidence in the role that they play in the life of their family, that's when it ripples out into the rest of everyone else. I know this from my own personal journey that I've been on for 12 plus years um, and in coaching other women for the last um, five years. And they're generally the ones that were coming to me for the help 99% of the time. So it just kind of made it easy to fall into that niche. So I'm, I, I just want to end that little epiphany or that little storyline to tell you that in May, um, my son Nick celebrated 10 years of sobriety. And um, he's in a, a, a place that I didn't know he'd ever get to. So that's amazing. And, um, you know, I really, there's so much that I want to touch on there. I think that that's beautiful that, um, you know, and that's a testament to your parenting as well, still into 
young adulthood and that you were there for him. And I see that, you know, your relationship, you talked about, you know, that he would come to you in high school. And I just think that that was, I just think that that's really amazing that he reached out to you and he was struggling because that's so hard. I know with myself, I was a little older when I, um, you know, started developing problems with my alcoholism. I was probably in my late twenties and that was something that I never, I would, I mean, I wouldn't reach out to anybody. So I I think that that right there is a huge testament already to all the things that you are doing right. Um, I would love to know, um, you know, I also picked up on the other thing. You said you didn't realize the depth of his struggle with mental health issues. What do you think? Do you have maybe warning signs that you give parents that, you know, maybe they can see that their teen's struggling more? How do you open up that conversation with them? Do you have any kind of tips on that? Well, in looking back, I think maybe it's more helpful. I think there's classic signs we can look for isolating, not wanting to participate in things they used to love, their grades, or friends changing. Those are all the classic things that you hear of. In looking back at my own story with my son, um, as I mentioned, I had him as a young, very young woman, and I was with his father for a couple of years. We never married, but we broke up because it was a very man- manipulative, controlling relationship. And I never saw him use that on our son while we were together. It was me. But what I didn't realize was that when I left the equation, which was not easy to do, he didn't make that easy he then shifted that onto my son. And my son is very, very loyal. Um, His father has since passed of alcoholism at the age of 42. Um, So, but, but he all growing up very, very loyal to his father. And so I didn't know, his dad was difficult for me to deal with. And so there were times when I didn't, I didn't engage as much as I should have. So bottom line, when Nick was in his early teens, I could tell that he, I mean, he'd, he'd put on some weight, which is not abnormal for adolescents at all. Um, but he just was doing less in school and just, you know, so we did do some counseling and that seemed to help for a little while. And then in his mid teens, you know, I just didn't know what I, what I didn't know was that I was having all these other children and I was busy. And while we had good conversation, we, we did, I would go out of my way to stay up at night because that's when he would open up. Like I would be so tired because I had a newborn baby. And like, then he would start talking at 10 o'clock at night. And I knew it was important for me to be there for him. Um, But what I didn't know was when I went to sleep, he couldn't sleep. And he found his way to marijuana through friends and found his way to our liquor cabinet. And there were, there was during high school, my husband would come to me and, you know, not being Nick's dad, he pretty much left the parenting to me. Um, he, he would come to me and say, there's alcohol missing. And I would go to Nick and say, Nick, is there, you know, is there, and he would look me straight in the eye and say, mom, of course not, you know, and, and I completely believed him to a point where I was accusing my husband of trying to make problems between the two of us, because I thought he was angry that we had a good relationship while Nick was in high school. So bottom line, it got to a place where my husband was marking bottles and taking pictures of the way they were in the cabinet and would come to me and be like, like, this is happening. So bottom line, um, there was a lot that I didn't see. When I think back now, I went into his room 
and I and I had I had a gut feeling. So I, I guess I really want to talk about gut feelings here. I had a gut feeling that something was going on because this room smelled funny, and you know, so do a lot of teenage boy rooms smell funny. But it was a weird funny, and he was my first kid, so I didn't quite know. Anyway, he was brewing alcohol in his closet. Um, this I found out during when he was in treatment. But you know, I looked all over, and I couldn't, you know. There was just there were things that I that I missed, and I don't know truthfully, and I, I don't say this to let myself off the hook. I don't know if even I had known everything that was going on, if I had would have been able to stop what was going to happen for him, and I, I think he'd say the same thing, you know. Um, so we do what we can with what we know, and we do better when we know more. And I immersed myself in learning about addiction the second that, like, I had no idea. I mean, when that phone call came from him, talk about calling the insurance company trying to figure, and it was a step-by-step process. Every time he fell off the wagon and needed detox, then there was outpatient, then there was inpatient, then he fell off the wagon after that. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, what do you do? But I came, I actually came to a moment in one of the darkest times, his dad had just passed away and that sent him absolutely reeling. Like he did not expect that. So it was during those times, you know, I would, I would wait till everyone in the house was asleep. My husband was asleep next to me and then I would cry and I would really, you know, be worried about what was going to happen. And I woke up one morning. I didn't, I didn't have a dream. I just, I had this peace in knowing that I didn't know what, my son's journey was about and what he was here to learn. And all I could do was really support him and love him for who he was and where he was at and not enable him in any way. So that has given me a great deal of peace. And it's the one thing I talk to parents about all the time who want to stop and protect their kids from all of the things that may happen or the choices they may make. Of course, we want to do that as parents. But I look at my own upbringing and it's in the moments that were most challenging when I was 18 and pregnant and I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to afford to be a a mom, but knew deeply I was meant to be a mother to this child, that I gained my character and the resilience. And this is what our children need is, is to be resilient. So when they get into big challenges, big or small, our job is to hold the space for them while they navigate the answer for themselves. And this is exactly what I do from others when I'm coaching them as well. I love that. And I really resonate with that because I feel as you're speaking, I feel like I'm really in that place too, where I understand that they have their own journey. Like, you know, um, I'm very much one of those, like I want to kind of jump in the way and control the experience and make sure that, you know, everybody's, happy and safe and this. So when you're speaking, you know, talking about how, of course we want, you know, we don't want our children to have to go through challenging things and hard things. And just the thought of that, like, you know, terrifies me. So for me, it's been really trying to separate from that, realizing they have their own journey. They, they have to go through challenging things. Um, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's exactly when you look, I'm sure when you look at your own life, you know, when you look back at your own challenges, like this is the time. And if we took all of that away from them, they wouldn't have what they need. And, and nor would they, we would be taking away from 
their journey or whatever their soul's purpose might be. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I'm not even 100% sure what it is for myself. I certainly don't know what it is for the children who come through my body, right? <laughs> and so I think that it's really important what you're doing, that kind of stuff, because, um, you know, there's times where I just feel at an absolute loss of, um, you know, how do I handle this situation? Are things okay? Or like my oldest, he's he's right in those teenage years. He's turning 15 very soon. Um, you know, and I, with COVID and the isolation and everything going on, I try often to check in with him. You know, how are things going? How are you feeling? Sometimes I get a little maybe over the top. He'll be like, I'm fine, mom. I'm fine. I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, and then I'll start in on things like, you know, depression is something that's going around right now. Like, how are you there? And he's like, I'm fine, mom. Like, don't talk to me about this. And I'm like, I'm just checking in on you. So um, do you maybe have some tips on something like that? Well, I think it's a very natural approach. Like we, 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 we're aware, we're aware that anxiety and depression in teenagers is hugely on the rise as is suicide. So kudos, of course, for a being aware and b checking in, I would say, um, and I did the same thing and I'm guilty of the same thing at times. And, you know, that's not a, usually your child, if you think about it, if you're asking them that way, they're not going to be like, you know what, mom, I am kind of depressed. And I'm really, I'm so glad you asked me. Okay. Here's what my suggestion. It, it is wonderful that you're checking in obviously, and that you're aware, but find ways that you can spend time with your kids um, so that you really get to know who they are. And you, if you are working on yourself and I know you do, um, and I do, then you're emotion, you're more emotionally attuned to them. So you are going to pick up on even the most subtle clues at times. You know, it's maybe what they're not doing or not saying, but you have to, and it's hard because our kids, I, my son um, is 17. My fourth boy is 17 is the quietest of the boys. And, and my boys are all pretty quiet. So what we do and this, this is something we developed years ago and I, I don't know if this would be a good, but this might get you thinking. Um, we have something every night called the party. And the party is something that um, all of the kids get together in. My, at this point, it's my daughter's bedroom. So she's 15. She has a salt lamp in her room and it's just very dim lighting in there. And my one of my older sons is home for the next month um, and he's 27. So like we all in the 17 year old, we gather in there and I'll just ask, I'll just ask them, Hey, what's up, what's going on. And, and in that light and in that time of day, I truly believe, first of all, that teenagers are, you know, they are nocturnal creatures. So that time of day, he will unpack what's going on. And sometimes we have some very deep conversations and what's amazing to me. And I think the reason that they are willing to be as open as they are is they know I won't freak out and I'm the least judgmental person ever. And they know this, they just, they just know this about me. Like they can't throw anything at me that's going to freak me out. And I think that's important. Um, I also, again, I, I care very much about how they think about things, even if they think really differently than I do, even if they have very different, different views than, than I do, it's very important to me that they feel seen and heard. And so this party that we have, sometimes at dinner, like somebody will be like, one of the kids will be like, Hey, I've got tea for the party. And that just means, Oh, I've got something like big to talk about. So we've turned it into this. And I, I just feel so blessed that they invite me into that space every night. And so I, I, I would encourage parents 
to, it takes time. I don't think if you haven't had a good relationship with your kid, like, I don't think all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this lady said we should have a party in the, in your room every night. And, you know, like it's going to take some time and it's going to maybe take parents being vulnerable and saying like, I've, I haven't, I haven't done this well. And, and I need to, you know, I'm working on this and I I'm hoping you'll give me an opportunity and watch me grow and watch me change and then trust that we, you know, that I'm doing this because I love you. So I think there's a lot to be gained from a parent being vulnerable with their child. If they haven't, if maybe they haven't had a good experience themselves growing up and they just don't know how they just don't have the skills to do it. Um, And then, you know, to encourage people to get help, like, to continue to learn about there's so much that goes on that changes in adolescence. You know, we were really good as parents um, educating ourselves when our kids are babies and, you know, littles and whatever. And then we kind of drop off and there is a huge change in way that you need to be parenting and relating to your teenager. So continuing to educate yourself to work with someone, if you're having problems is, is like my, obviously my top recommendation Absolutely. I, um, I often say it was easier when they were babies and not sleeping (laughs) than sometimes it is navigating things now. (laughs) I agree with you. I I agree with you. And, and I, and man, I hate not sleeping at night and spent a lot of years not doing it. I thought for sure I would never think that, but then that's not the case. Agreed. I thought for sure. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not carrying around car seats and diaper bags, but I'm like, oh, now I'm navigating this stuff that I'm just like, yeah, now it's way more mental than, <laughs> I mean, it was mental then, but it was physically demanding, but now it's just much more, you know, and, and things seem to be so much more decisions and choices, you know, seem to have this further reaching consequence that you can see as a parent now than, than maybe you did when they were only eating chicken nuggets at a, as a three-year-old and you kind of worried about that a little bit. I don't know. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, can we go back to worrying about the chicken nuggets sometimes? Um, oh my gosh. I really love, I also kind of wanted to bring up um, my other case too is being really emotionally like entangled with my children. So being really, um, I guess I'm very empathic. So it's like when one of them's down, it's like i pick up on that. And, um, I almost get myself wrapped up into it too, with anxiety and worrying about them. And you think that this all plays back into, again, just kind of working on yourself, finding help if you need it, you know, well, I think we all need it at some point, not saying if you need it, but, um, you know, finding that help as you need it for what stage you're in, do you kind of feel like all of that goes in the same direction and like emotionally untangling your anxiety from, you know, your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, learning to detach from the outcome is I wrote a blog post on that a couple of years ago. And I think it was like the most popular one I wrote just because I gave some examples in it, which I cannot remember at the moment, but you know, every day, like, okay, right now I'm in the middle of, um, so my 17 year old who's about to turn 18 decided at COVID that last so last March that he really didn't need to be in high school anymore and um, worked did three classes over the summer and today is his last day of his senior year and so 
he's applied to colleges and been accepted, but he's talking about taking a gap year. And as a parent on some level, I'm kind of like, no, 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 no. You need to like, you need to do the next, like if you never, here's what, here's what we do as parents. No, no, no. You need to go because if you don't go, then you may never go. And then you're going to live in a, live like under a bridge. And then, you know, like, so we do this future tripping thing. And the reality is he has a very good head on his shoulders and Quite frankly, just because none of the other boys has done that doesn't mean that a gap year wouldn't be perfectly, you know, good for him to do. So what I have to do is trust that he, that, that because I use my own inner wisdom and I can tell you exactly, I told you before this, that I was in the middle of doing something really major in my own life and trusting my gut instinct. Um, But I I also want to honor my son's gut instinct for him as well, whether he does go to school or takes a gap year. Um, I think it's really important as our kids get older to be able to hold the space for them to make some choices in their lives that we don't know may, may take them off the path that we intended. But the thing about it is it's not our, it's not about us. It's them. <laughs> yeah. Ask yourself when you're in these situations, Christy, is it about me or is it about my child? And sometimes the answer to that is both and that you just need to take yourself out of that. <laughs> I love that you bring up, like you said, you have your own thing that you're going through right now. So I think that that kind of hits home and it's important to remember, like we ourselves, all human beings, we're all going to be continuing on this cyclical journey of you know, hard seasons, challenges, and then, you know, figuring it out and then coming again. Like, it's just like a wheel that it keeps replaying. It's not like we've got it all figured out right now. You know, we've been doing this in our work for however long, and now we've got it all figured out and life is going to be butterflies and flowers and roses and kittens from here on out. Like, that's just not how life works. So, I think that coming back to that and remembering that's not even how our own journey works. So, we can't, um, can't control the journey of our children as much as I want to. Right, right. And why do we think, I mean, that's like thinking, um, I know I've said this before, my kids, my five kids are are all so vastly different, but why did I think they'd be the same? Like, why did I think that they'd all do the same thing, like the same thing? Just because we, and I, we don't even, you know, every kid has a different temperament and, it, you know, like just knowing that, and we attune to that when they're little and we know we, we have to learn and relearn and relearn as they evolve how to interact with them. Like this is the process of things, you know, and, and that's why it's so important. I think, I think that everybody, regardless if you're a parent or a child or no matter what your age gets so much information thrown at them that we've lost our ability to connect with our own inner wisdom. So when I'm coaching parents, one of the, one of the most important things that that we work on, like I said, is I don't pretend to, to actually know the answer for other people. I help them discover that and reconnect to their own inner wisdom, because I believe everybody has the answer for even the most difficult challenges and problems within themselves. So my role is to hold space for other people and ask the right questions and 
define the issues and help them move from one to the other by supporting them through the anxiety that so many parents have to make the changes. Um, This is kind of a personal question, but I'm just a little interested. Um, You know, when you are going through these difficult periods of life, like you are right now, do you share with your kids kind of what's going on and how you're navigating it and how you're experiencing it? Or do you feel like that's almost kind of like you don't want to worry them about what you're going through? Well, I think there's a a balance to that. I mean, I think um, the particular situation that our family is in this year with 2020, as many families are in, um, my husband owns a travel business and started that two years ago. So you can imagine what that is like right now. And I've been working at a children's hospital halftime and building this coaching business halftime for um, three years. And I finally have come to a point where I am taking a step away. I'm stepping away from my job at the end of December and fully into coaching. And, you know, that's a difficult place to be in because to give up your health insurance during a pandemic, you know, is not a light matter. So it's, it's been heavy on my heart. But I feel very, very called to this work, and I believe the universe will rise up to meet me. To that end, our kids do know, because we have the party every night, we do sometimes talk about these things, and they know that it's been a difficult year. They can feel it. I mean, the thing about it is our children feel these things, even if we're not talking about it. That's why it's important, I think, to share at a level, not to overshare. So I, I, I certainly don't want I I don't want my kids to be anxious about the situation because I fully believe that all is well and will be well. But I also think it's important for them to, and I know they're watching us and I know they see how we're navigating a stressful year and situations. So, you know, why not talk about it? Yeah, I appreciate that sometimes too. Um, I like what you say, they pick up on it anyway. Kids are really smart. Kids are, you know, they are aware of a lot more than we get it, them credit for. So, um, you know, even if you think that you're kind of hiding it well or, yeah, I kind of struggle with that same thing too. Like you say, I don't want them to be anxious, but I already know that they know something's going on. So so I think being honest, you know, I don't think you need to be fully transparent. Obviously, these are kids and we don't want to put them in a situation where they're even more anxious. However, acknowledging the situation that you're in, if it's, if it's, you know, that you're having some difficulty in your marriage or, you know, they're, they, again, they know, and, and depending on your child's age, how much you divulge is one thing, right. But to, but the thing is when they know, and you're not telling them, you know, that's, that's almost like, you know, if we want our kids to come to us, we have to be slightly vulnerable and let them know that the world is not all rose colored glasses and and stuff like that all the time or the highlight reel on Facebook. Like we we can't expect our children to do the things that we're unwilling to do. That's a wonderful point. So do you kind of mind sharing about us? What are the different ways that you work with parents? Do you do like one-to-ones workshops I do. I do all those things. I do a lot of, um, gosh, I, I do a lot of podcasting. I do a lot of local and national presentations for school on stress and COVID for students, middle school age students, as well as parents like the PTA will hire me to come in and do a Zoom. And um, so I've been doing that quite a bit. I do work with with mothers one on one. And I have this beautiful, you're probably going to love this, but um 
I have a course that I've built that I've been taking women through one-on-one, but in January, I'm opening two small groups. By small groups, I mean five women in each group. And it is the, the course that I created is eight modules long, and it's called Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Self. So Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Self is, I'm three quarters of the way through writing that book. The course is built and I will, and I have been taking women through it one-on-one, but I will be taking two small groups of women through it starting in January. It's eight weeks, like I said. So once a week Zoom call and then some some personal work in between each call. Um, And then um, I'm also going to start, it's not a podcast, actually. I have some studio space in Dallas that I've rented um, and it's got this lovely vignette and I'm going to interview women who are entrepreneurs and balancing that with being a present parent also called Becoming Me While Raising You. So this umbrella of things, and it's a big year, which, you know, it's, it's very exciting, but I, my heart is just the, the title of that, that sentence that was downloaded to me about 18 months ago, and I've been working on the book and all the things. And like I said, this is why now it's like, I'm just fully stepping into this and I'm scared and excited at the same time, but that's, you know, that's the birth of all things, right? And, you know, I think it's beautiful. It is a scary journey. Like you say, you're stepping, and this is our journey as entrepreneurs, you're stepping away from that stability and the guarantee to jump into something that lights you up, but that is also uncomfortable. (laughs) It's really, yes. (laughs) But I'm just like, I'm so excited for you because that's when you see the biggest amount of growth is when you're just like, I'm all in on this. Like I believe in myself. I believe in my journey and my mission and I'm going all in. So I, I just have a really big feeling that we're going to be seeing a lot of exciting things from you in 2021. Thank you. That's exactly the way I, I feel in my heart about it as well. I see also you have um, published a book previously, right? And you share about your own parenting journey. I did. Okay. So in 2011, I, I was in the middle of my college journey and one of my classes got dropped. I was going to school online. And so I had this extra time, which is kind of silly for me to say, because I, I didn't really have a lot of extra time. I had still four kids at home and yada, yada. But bottom line, I put pen to paper and wrote a book called My Mother's Footprints a story of faith, calm, courage, patience, and grace. It is actually the cover of the book um, is me, a sideline view of me. I have a tattoo on my hip. I got with my son right before we moved from Wisconsin in 2007. And the words faith, calm, courage, patience, and grace are on my left hip with footprints in between. So that um, that depicts the, the journey of motherhood to me. And each of those words was specially chosen for what my, what each child has taught me. Nick, obviously faith, faith in myself, faith in something larger than myself. And that each, each one of them has a story as well. So what I did though, was I had, um, it was either 250 or 500 copies printed, delivered to my house in boxes. And I loved writing the book so much. The book was really about being a teen mom. And then the second half of it is the really raw journey that I took with my son through his addiction to alcohol. And the book ends when I get him to treatment, which in and of itself was completely insane story. But 
so, so I had 500 of these and I sold them through a website because I, I loved writing so much. I decided to start a blog. So I did that many years ago. Um, so I would sell them through the website, give them to people, especially moms that were going through something similar, yada, yada. Bottom line, I get to this year. So it's 2020 and I only have a handful. Left. I realize the box is like empty. So I make sure each of my kids has one because I think that's important. And I, I look though back at the book and I decide I'm a much better writer. The book is really raw and, and it's beautiful. And, and I've gotten lots of good feedback on it, but I rolled, I, I went back into that book, upgraded it in terms of the writing, adding more, even more details because it was only about 70 pages to begin with. And that's become the first half of Becoming Me While Raising You. So I've kind of rolled that book into this one, adding more details. And then, and that's the raising you part. The second half of the book is Becoming Me. And it's really a much more deeper dive into the things that have helped me, both helped me and hurt me in terms of forming my belief system, whether it's what I was modeled to me through my mom's journey and what I took on as a wife and mother of myself and how I, who I thought I needed to be for everyone else and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'm in the process of the writing, the writing of that really deep stuff. My goal is to have the book written by the end of December. Um, and I believe I can do that, but I think the things that stop me sometimes are, it is heavy emotionally and it's just so much easier to like, Oh, I'll go on Facebook <laughs> or I'll, you know, I'll bake some cookies, you know, I'll write later. I'll write later, but I've been getting up at 6am and really trying to write for an hour every single morning and be focused about it. I've been very diligent about doing that the last couple of weeks. So I just really, I, I have this deadline. I'm good with deadlines because I write a newspaper column and I'm always writing it at 10 o'clock and it's due at midnight on the day, you know, the day it's due, but I know I can do this. And I know that there are women in the world that will resonate with this book and this message and that it's meant to be born. And, and this is the time. So I think that's beautiful. So do you mind telling us where um, our listeners can connect with you online if they want to come and check out your offerings and what you've got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, my website is reallifeparentguide.com. So that's only one L. So real in life, share the L, parentguide.com. That's where you can learn all about the course and um, reach out to me for any other thing that comes up. Um, I, I love to hear from people. So, and I'm very hands-on, um, on Facebook. I also have, um, real life parent guide. I'm on LinkedIn. I am working on Instagram at the moment, actually. Um, yeah, I just, it's not my jam, you know, and I thought my daughter would be able to help me and she's doesn't really care. <laughs> me. <laughs> you know how that is. Um, but that's, it is what it is. I'm going to get there. Um, one of the other concentrated things I want to do in 2021, obviously with marketing these three things that I'm doing is learn much more about marketing. Um, haven't had the time to do that, but I'm very strong on Facebook uh, and LinkedIn and um, absolutely would love to hear any from anyone with any questions or any thoughts through the website. 
Um, I will. This this is a statement that might give you thing to really think about. It's something again that came to me a couple of years ago, um, and it really defines, I think, in one sentence, what I want to project to the world, and that is, our children come through us, not for us, except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey, in an effort to grow us up along the way. Oh man, that hit home. <laughs> so that really hit home. So thank you for sharing that. Um, him, I have to say thank you so much for being on today. This has been incredible. And um, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear this episode. So thank you again for giving your time to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity, Christy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.